Grateful that we are never alone if we know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, what a great truth that is given to us in that song, We Don't Need to Be Afraid. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles again this morning. Let's go back to the text that we've been looking at this week in Joshua. Joshua chapter 14. Appreciate the opportunity to be able to be here this week. I trust that uh, God's Word has been a help or a blessing to you, and I just want to thank you for the encouragement that you've been to me and my family. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be able to talk with some of you, and uh, some of you have mentioned uh, things that God has been teaching you throughout the services, and uh, even some of you made mention uh, that you've been praying uh, for me this week, and that is a huge encouragement. And uh, I appreciate that and uh, trust that God has used this time to be able to be a help and a blessing to you, not just today and not just in the chapels and this week, but there will be truths that God will be able to bring back to your mind and you'll be able to use them as a student, uh, as an athlete, uh, as an adult, and even after you graduate, uh, that you'll be able to use some of these truths in your lives to be able to help you continue to claim mountains for God. Dr. Davis, just a little bit of... uh, help for you. When we were here, um, I was, uh, my ID card had shorty shank on it. So, um, which was actually helpful because uh, a friend of mine, a roommate of mine wrote me a check. You guys know what checks are, right? Some of you, (laughs) okay. Uh, Ancient way of transferring money. Um, But uh, somebody wrote me a check and they wrote it out to shorty shank. I took it down to cash it down here at the bank had my ID on it that had my real name, but they're like, who is this? And uh, I said, that's me. And they said, how are we supposed to know that? We need some form of identification. So I whipped out my Maranatha student ID, and they accepted it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's how that worked. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the, the friendships that God allowed me to be able to establish while I was a student here, and uh, people still impacting my life uh, from this university and other places, and so I'm grateful for that. Joshua chapter 14. We're going to be uh, taking a look at a final truth that we'll be sharing with you from this passage of Scripture as we have been looking at the concept of claiming mountains for God. I'm going to ask you to bear with me a little bit because you're able to see what's up on the screen, but I'm not right now. And uh, this is me and technology. It's not not you guys, okay? Uh, It's me and technology. I always struggle with it as we travel and go to churches, schools, whatever, okay? And uh, so hopefully uh, I'll be able to, to stay up with where we are. But we have been going through and we've been looking at some truths as to what it means to be a mountain claimer for God. Claiming those mountains, and life is not always going to be easy for us, and we have learned that as a mountain climber, first of all, and I do have candy, by the way, if you would like some and you answer a question, I do have it back there, Uh, but the first truth that we learned as we went through is that we need to have a reliance on God's Word, and uh, young person, I want to encourage you, don't let the Bible become merely academic in your life, and in this stage of life especially, let it be something where it becomes a book that is alive to you. It is one that is going to impact your thinking and therefore impact your living. And Joshua, or excuse me, Caleb did not just let the things that God said kind of roll off his back and go by him. Caleb understood that it was important to understand who God is, and he had this reliance on God's Word. Can someone tell me uh, the three truths, one of the three truths that we learned concerning a reliance on God's Word? Raise your hand if I don't see your hand. Yes, right back there. Okay, very good. It was founded on God's Word, okay? And so we have this outstanding reliance on God's Word, and uh, that means it needs to be founded on God's Word. And we need to be able to go to the truths, and we need to be able to look into the Scriptures and see what is the mind of God. The Scriptures are God's mind about everything. 
And so we need to go to the Scriptures and find out what God thinks and rely on that, all right? Uh, what was the other one? Founded on God's Word. Two more. Yeah, okay, uh, right here, okay. Very good. Focused, okay, on God's work. And uh, there is a work that God wants you to do, but you can't separate God's Word and God's work in your life. And then the last one was what? Someone? It's kind of like an auction. If I see somebody move, I'm probably going to call on you. Yes, ma'am, farther back, sorry. Very good. Faithful to God's will, okay? And so we looked at the reliance on, uh, on God's Word. The second day that we were here, uh, we looked at uh, this simple truth. We looked at the fact that Caleb had an outstanding reverence for God, that, that fearful awe, that reverential awe of who God is and uh, understanding the place that God ought to have in his life. And so he had this reverential awe. And we said that he had a reverential awe in three regards towards God's what? Somebody tell me. Yes. Okay, his person. He understood who God is. And as a result of understanding who God is, that affected his life. And he revered God more than he feared the giants of the land and even the crowd that said no. Okay. And so uh, what was the second truth? Yes, right here. Very good. His promise, the promise that God was going to give them a land, God was going to fight for them, drive them out. He had an outstanding reverence for His promise. And God always keeps His promises. And the last one was, we said He had an outstanding reverence for way over there. Yes, sir? His power, yeah. He, he depended on God's power. He knew that God was going to be able to drive them out. He revered God's power more than the might and the height of those giants. He had an outstanding reverence for God. Yesterday, we took a look at this, that Caleb possessed an outstanding response, or he demonstrated an outstanding response for God. He was all in. There was no doubt as to what Caleb thought about uh, what should be taking place as they went in and espied the land. He was all in. And so we learned three truths yesterday about this outstanding response. Can someone give me one of them? Yes, back there. Okay, he had a great concentration, okay? And uh, he had this fixed attention on what God called him to do, and he was not going to get distracted by those who did not want to obey God's commands. He wanted to stay fixed on that, fixed on God's will and God's work, and he was concentrated on that. Good. What's the second one? Yes, sir. Okay, it displays completeness. That is full dedication. And again, I've used this word about Caleb a lot yesterday, and I'll use it again today. He was all in. There was a dedication that was there. There was no wavering. There was a completeness. And then the last one was uh, right over here. Very good. There was a constancy to it. And uh, we see this taking place back in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 where the actual events are taking place. And even when he is removed from that situation 45 years later, he is still consumed with, I want to claim this mountain. God has promised this to me. And he was constant in that. He wanted to go in and he wanted to conquer those mountains for God's glory. Well, as we come to the final uh, opportunity that we have today, I want to draw our attention back to the verses that we've been reading. And we'll read down through them here. In Joshua chapter 14, begin reading at verse 6. The scripture reads this way. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. What Moses had told them, we've already talked about this, was that God was going to allow them to live and be able to go into the promised land, though everyone else was going to perish. 
Verse 7, Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And there is the verse that we looked at yesterday, or the concept that we looked at yesterday, that he was all in. He wholly followed the Lord his God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty in five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for the inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel." This morning we are going to look at some final truths in this passage for what we've been looking at today. And this morning what I want to look at as the final mark of a mountain claimer is this. I want us to notice that a mountain claimer has an outstanding reward or receives an outstanding reward from God. Caleb has come and he is talking to his friend Joshua. And as he is speaking with Joshua, even in Joshua's testimony, but specifically in Caleb's testimony of what is taking place, Caleb has his attention fixed on a reward. You know, sometimes people uh, take a look at the idea of rewards in a negative light, and yet I think it's important for us to understand that as we understand the concept in Scripture, there are rewards that God has for those who faithfully serve Him. And we see in the life of Caleb a man who is going to demonstrate for us that God is faithful in rewarding his faithful servants for their faithful service. And I've used that word faithful numerous times on purpose because that is God's expectation. We looked at that the other day. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so what are the rewards that we see and that we can learn from the life of Caleb concerning the idea of being a mountain claimer? Well, first of all, before we take a look at those rewards, I just want to let you know that claiming mountains for God is not an easy task. And some of you have had to face some mountains. You'd be able to talk to some of your professors, some of your teachers, maybe even some of the older classmen that are here, and if you were to talk to them, they'd be able to share with you some testimonies of some battles that they've had to go through, some struggles that they've had to go through as they seek to claim mountains for God. And they would perhaps start off by saying this, it's not easy. And you know, as we were talking about the fact that Caleb had this courage and that he was all in and he was claiming mountains for God, uh, Caleb had to face a lot of opposition. There were the giants that were there that were going to be opposing him. There were the ten spies that were opposing him. Eventually, all of the people in the nation, uh, except for Joshua and and, uh, a few others, they were ready to stone Caleb and Joshua because of their fervency and their desire to go in and claim this mountain. They wanted to get rid of them, and this was not an easy task. And perhaps reading through this passage of Scripture, you might be thinking this, why in the world would I want to do that? This seems hard. The fact that I would perhaps have to stand against even some of my closest friends, 
If I'm going to claim mountains for God and I may have to stand against them, that I may have to stand up to world opposition, if I'm going to have to stand up even to my own desires, this doesn't sound easy. Why in the world would I want to do that? Well, though it is not easy, it is something that comes with great rewards from God. So I want to encourage you this morning as we take a look at this and we wrap up this week, there are some valuable truths that we can learn from the life of Caleb concerning being a mountain claimer and this outstanding reward from God. Notice, first of all, first reward is that his life was spared. Caleb's life was spared. You say, what's the big deal? Well, let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer it aloud, but I would ask you this question to consider. From what was his life spared? Say so he lived longer than the people who died in the wilderness, and he had to face the hot sun and the sand and his sandals, and you know the the fact that you know they were always eating manna and all of these things. And, and how is that a reward that his life was spared? Listen, it was spared from that judgment of God, the fact that they were going to die in the wilderness. His life was spared. And you might be here this morning and you are still debating as to whether you think it's worth to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I encourage you this morning to realize that there is an eternal life that you and I need to be aware of, that you can be spared from eternal separation and eternal death, separated from God, if you will be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But you have to be willing to choose Christ, which is choosing eternal life, which is choosing to have your life spared from God's ultimate judgment because of our sin. So I would again appeal to you that if you are here and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, realize God has given a way for your life to be spared from eternal judgment and separation from Him. But you've got to make the choice to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. His life was spared. Beyond that, we see that his life was spared even uh, from a life of things like regret. Here is a man who, as he was living his life, he was able to look back in this situation that takes place back in Numbers chapter 14, and he was able to say that he made the right choice. Young person, I'm just going to tell you, as I stand before you this morning, that I am not a person who has always made all the right choices. In fact, I would tell you this, I have made multiple foolish choices in my life. And there are times where I look back and I have great regrets on decisions that I've made. But I can tell you this as well. There are also decisions that by the grace of God, I'm able to look back on and I'm able to thank God that God spared me from making some foolish choices or continuing down a path of foolish choices. And God spared me from the great consequences of that sin and that pattern that was being developed in my life. And I want you to understand that if we are going to have that reliance on God's Word and that reverence from God's Word, and it's going to cause us to live in obedience to God, then we can live a life that is spared from those times of regrets where we choose to disobey God and we choose to go our own way. And at this stage of your life, very early on in life, young person, I want to encourage you to understand that you can have a life that is spared from the consequences of sin. You have people sitting around you in the form of, of, uh, of counselors and as teachers and professors and even parents, hopefully, who are involved in your life, and you'll have pastors back home. And as you get involved in local churches here, you'll have pastors that are there, and they are able to pour themselves into your life and be able to give you truths and teachings and advice and counsel that will hopefully spare you from some of the scars that they're carrying around in, your, in their life. And I want to encourage you, 
Understand that one of the greatest rewards that God will ever be able to give to us in this lifetime is to spare us from those consequences of foolish choices, but that will only come as we choose to live in obedience to God's Word and we seek to claim mountains for Him. He was spared from that regret. He was spared from the fact that he would have been living with that constant mentality of, I wonder when my time's going to come up. Could you imagine wandering there in that, that desert, in that wilderness, and knowing that the 40-year period is almost up, and you haven't died yet, but you know it's coming soon? There would have been that worry and that fear that is there. Young person, God has called us to a life of joy. God has called us to a life of peace. And Caleb's life was spared from that. He was, he was confident, able to live in confidence, knowing that God was going to allow him to live and to be able to see that promised land that God had given to him. So he was spared from that. But the question that I asked beyond that was this, why was his life spared? What was it that caused his life to be spared? And it was simply this, it was obedience to God. God was the one who spared his life because of his obedience. And young person, I want you to be able to think and consider in your life that as you move forward and as you claim mountains for God, there is this outstanding reward that God has, and it is that you can have a life that was spared. We don't have the time this morning to go back to Numbers chapter 14 and verse 38, but that is when God gives to Caleb and to Joshua the promise that he was going to take them into the promised land. But since we're here in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 10, I want to draw your attention to this. I want you to see it in the scriptures. He says this, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as he said, these 40 and 5 years. What did God keep his life alive from, from that death? He spared him from that death. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. God had spared his life from that death that came as a result of disobedience and not being willing to follow God's command. So reward number one that we learn that is available to us who seek to claim those mountains for God, there is receiving an outstanding reward from God. Second of all, I want you to notice this. Not only was his life spared, but I want you to see this, that his life was strengthened. Take a look at Joshua chapter 14 and verse 11. He says this, "...as yet I am as strong this day." as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now. Caleb talks a lot about strength in this verse, but notice where his source of strength comes from. It is not in and of himself. He says, I am yet as strong as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. But where do we see he, he has this source of strength? Well, I would propose to you that as we look in uh, Caleb's life, both back in Numbers chapter 14, as well as here in Joshua chapter 14, we see that Caleb's own testimony reflects a great dependence on God. Caleb's own testimony reflects great dependence on God. Back in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 8, as they are considering about going into the promised land and the ten spies have given a negative report and Caleb speaks, speaks up and he says, no, we need to go in this. And this is the phrase that he uses. He says, if the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into the land. I ask you this question, who is Caleb depending on? 
Caleb is not depending on his own physical strength. Now listen, I get where you are. I was there a long time ago, but I still remember those days where I was sitting in chairs like that, and and I thought I was invincible because you're young and you've got strength and and you think you can stay up for days on end and cram for exams that are going to be coming or projects or whatever, you know, but eventually I'm just going to tell you it's going to start going downhill, okay? And uh, I had someone tell me at age 40 it was going to start going downhill. I didn't realize how fast it was going to start going downhill at age 40, but I would tell you now I am not as strong as I was when I was a student here. I'm just not as strong physically, but I would propose to you that because of the things that God has taught me and God has continued to teach me and has brought me through, I would say that I am spiritually stronger. Here is Joshua speaking of this physical strength. And he says, you want to know something? I'm depending on God. And he was understanding that if the Lord would have delight in him, that the God would fulfill his promise. It goes back to that reverence, that outstanding reverence for the promise of God. But notice where he finds his strength here in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12. He says this, he says, If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. You see, if we were just to stop at that verse that we looked at in verse 11 where he is talking about strength, we would think that Caleb was pretty cocky and arrogant. I'm just as strong now that I'm 85 as I was when I was 40, and none of these whippersnappers are stronger than me. I'm going to go in and I'm going to claim this land. I am strong. Sounds kind of cocky, arrogant, even though it was true. But then he points to the fact of verse 12 where the source of his strength really lies and where his dependence was. It wasn't on his own strength, his own abilities. Can I even say this? His own talents. His dependence was on God. Young person, it is at this stage of life when it seems like you're able to take the world and begin to you know, seem like you want to conquer it. Could I encourage you that, to remember that we will never be able to conquer any mountains without God's help? without dependence on God. And so spiritual victory is only possible when we depend on God's grace. I want to turn your attention towards the grace of God because it is God's grace that enables us to be able to claim these mountains for God. Oh, you may be able to have some spiritual success and victories in your own strength, but it won't matter for eternity Because the things we do for ourselves and in our own strength, it's not going to amount to anything but wood, hay, and stubble, and it'll be burnt up. But it's the things that God enables us to be able to do. And we have that heart of wanting to serve God. Those are the things that will last for eternity. And so Paul encourages Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And it is at this point, young person, in your life that I want to encourage you to learn to lean heavily on the grace of God. Now, you can understand grace in this way, that God is a gracious God and I can pretty much do anything that I want and God's grace is going to be able to supersede that. Go to Romans chapter 6 and you'll find that that is not a proper uh, understanding of grace. God is a gracious God, but God's grace is not an excuse for us to live any way that we want and then say, oh, God is gracious and he'll forgive me. God is a gracious God. I 
want you to understand that God's grace, as we take a look at it through the Scriptures, is really God's enabling in our lives to do something that we are not able to do on our own. For by grace are ye saved through faith. We can't save ourselves. It's God's enabling something to take place in our lives that we are not able to do in and of ourselves. That's God's grace. Why was Paul telling Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Because, Timothy, you've got some battles that are ahead of you, and I want you to lean heavily on the grace of God. Lean heavily on the fact that God is able to work in your life and accomplish things in your life in a way that you cannot do it on your own. That's God's grace. And depending on the grace of God, that's why Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Because God's grace enables us to be able to have the strength, the ability to be able to conquer and claim mountains for God. And so I ask you this morning, where are you getting your strength? To to go into these classes, to be able to serve in some sort of way at a church, where are you depending on your strength? Are you depending on your talent, your ability, your experience? What are you depending on? Scripture calls us to depend on God's grace. And allow that to strengthen us, allow that to equip us. Apostle Paul comes to the conclusion as he cried out for asking God to take away his thorn in the flesh. God's response to him was what? My grace is sufficient. Young person, I would encourage you to learn at this stage in your life to lean heavily on God's grace to accomplish in your life what he wants to accomplish and as you seek to claim mountains for God. One of the rewards that we see in the life of Caleb is that his life was spared. Second of all, we see that his life was strengthened. I want you to see this as well. We see that his life was satisfied or it was successful. As we come to Joshua chapter 14 and verse 14, notice what happens. Joshua and Caleb have this discussion. Caleb comes and presents his argument and Joshua Uh, If they were sitting in a desk or, you know, sitting in an office, Joshua would be sitting in his desk. I think Caleb would be sitting on the other side of it. Caleb would have, you know, given his case, and I think Joshua would have kind of pushed back from the desk, leaned back, and said, you know, you're right, Caleb. God promised you that land. You still want it. You're going to go get it. Have at it. And so what did Joshua do? Joshua, it says this in verse 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. God gave Caleb a promise, and God fulfilled that promise. Oh, it may have been 45 years later. It may have been after all those who doubted God had passed off the scene, they had died off, and there were some other victories that had to be won first. But finally, Caleb, because of that persistence and his dependence on the promise of God, he said, you want to know something? It's time. I want to claim the promise of God. And Joshua said, okay. God satisfied that promise, and he was successful. Take a look at Joshua chapter 15 and verse 14. It again says, And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. Caleb still had some fighting to do even after Joshua gave his blessing, but he was still fighting. His life was finally satisfied. It was successful as God fulfilled through the life of Caleb what he wanted to accomplish. Young person, God wants to provide for you and for me a successful life. 
Now, the world will, pro will provide you with a different definition of success. It's not the houses, the cars, the wardrobe. It's not the money, the bank account. It's not the fame and all of those things that the world would say that you need to be looking for. But success is essentially, in God's eyes, finding the will of God and doing it with your life. And so I would encourage you to develop that as a pattern and a habit of way of thinking in your life. Because if you don't, then you will get distracted like the other ten spies. Caleb stayed fixed on the work that God had called him to do. And the only satisfaction and success that Caleb was looking for in his life through those 45 years, which I believe drove him and continued to drive him, was the fact that he was holding on to the promise of God that God was going to provide and give him that land. His life came to a point of satisfaction and being successful in the eyes of God. Whose approval are you looking for? Stop looking for the approval of man. Stop looking for the approval of the crowd. Remember, there the difference between Caleb and the crowd was what they feared the most. The ten spies feared the giants. They, they began to develop within the heart of the people who were around them a fear of the giants who they had never seen. The congregation had never seen them. They were taking these ten guys' word for it. But Caleb looked beyond the crowd. He looked beyond those ten wicked reports. And Caleb looked to God. Keep your attention fixed on God. The Bible says it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't despise the wisdom and instruction of God. Instead, develop that reverential awe of God and find your satisfaction in getting to know Him, getting to know His plan and His purpose for your life. Be satisfied in Christ. And when you find your satisfaction in Christ and what He is wanting to accomplish in your life, you will find that that is the greatest reward, one of the greatest rewards that God could ever give us in this lifetime. And so we've come and we've looked at the life of Caleb. Caleb sets for us an example of what it means to be a mountain claimer. There are several hundred young people sitting before me this morning, a few hundred young people sitting before me, maybe I should use that word, sitting before me this morning who you have the opportunity to be mountain claimers for God. I would agree with Dr. Davis and others who have said that the year is getting off to a great start. You're, you're singing, uh, you're, you're, even as we've been kind of watching you, as you've been interacting with each other on campus, there seems to be an excitement and a vibrancy for the things of God and about the person of God and the opportunity to be able to serve Him. Don't lose that. But what I can tell you is this, there are going to be some foothills along the way. There are going to be some, I'll call them eastern coast mountains along the way that you're going to come to. Some of you this semester, you're going to face some West Coast Rockies. Regardless of the size of the mountain, how are you going to be able to claim them for God? Well, it starts, young person, by having a reliance on God's Word. Go to God's Word. Seek godly counsel from God's Word. And those who are going to turn you to the Scriptures, rely heavily on God's Word. And as you go to God's Word, revere God way more than you do other people and circumstances and even the enemy. Develop a proper reverence for God. As you do that, I hope then there will be the proper response for God. And as you go through your life, whether in this life or in eternity, we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to see the outstanding rewards that are only available as we claim those mountains for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.
for, again, this example of Caleb that we've been able to look at and study this week. Lord, this has been both a challenge and an encouragement to me. I pray that it would be a challenge and an encouragement to the student body as well. Lord, I ask that as they start this new semester, and there may be some mountains, some bigger than others, that will have to be claimed, God, I ask that you would give them the grace that is necessary to be able to do that. Lord, we know that you're faithful in providing that grace. Help us to claim it and lean heavily on your grace, not to rely on our own strength, not to rely on our own prowess and ability and experiences, although you will use them. Father, help us to depend on your grace. Father, we thank you for your word that does give us instruction, that teaches us. Lord, I ask that we would have that reliance on it, that we would depend on your word as you have revealed it to us in the scriptures. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you're here this morning. I hope that this morning's message was an encouragement to you. As we've looked at just some of the rewards that we see that are available through uh, the life of Caleb and how God rewarded him and the fact that his life was spared, it was strengthened, and he came to no ultimate success. Young person, I just want to encourage you. If you want to find success, you want to know it now at this stage of life, I want to let you know that you're only going to find true success, happiness, contentment, joy, whatever word you want to put in there. It starts with a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you were here this morning, you've sat through these meetings, you've been at other church services, you've heard the gospel, but you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you'll never know joy, satisfaction, peace with God until you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't put that decision off. I'd encourage you to speak to someone right after chapel. You're here this morning, you say, you know, as you've been preaching this week, I uh, understand that there are going to be some mountains that are ahead of me, and I am asking God, have been asking God, to give me the courage to continue to claim those mountains for God. Young person, I hope that you will remember these things, but I hope as well you'll go to the Scriptures and continue to find truths as to how you can conquer mountains for God. Keep a vibrant walk and relationship and times of fellowship with your God by spending time in His Word, not just reading but looking for a person in those verses that you can have fellowship with and truths about Him and learning more and growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's where satisfaction comes. I hope that as we have looked at these rewards that they'll be an encouragement to you. I'm going to be praying for you as a student body in general. Some of you have come and asked me to pray for you specifically. I'll be around afterwards And uh, I'd love to be able to pray for you as well, put you on the prayer list. And uh, if I can be of help before we, uh, before I leave and uh, before uh, this uh, opportunity of being able to minister here is over, uh, I'd love to be able to talk with you afterwards. Come see me and I'd love to be able to continue to pray for you as you seek to claim mountains for God's glory. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the privilege of being able to serve you. I thank you for these young people. Thank you for the excitement, the enthusiasm that is present right now, and I pray that as they get a few weeks into school that uh, that enthusiasm and excitement for you and for serving you and being prepared for what you have called for them to do in the future, that, Father, they would continue to grow in that and that you would continue to strengthen it. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them, that they would lean heavily on you. Father, I pray that even now they would learn to find their contentment, satisfaction, and their success in you. Father, we love you. We continue to pray for uh, this institution, the leaders of it. I pray that you'd continue to give them wisdom, that you would bless it as well. Father, we ask that you would continue to sustain 
and that you would continue to strengthen and that, Father, you would continue to propel the university forward for your honor and your glory. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.